Welcome to the Perennial Wellness Podcast, the podcast that will lead you to better health, wellness, and nutrition knowledge. This show is hosted by myself, Kristen Crowley, and my co-host, Brittany Wharton. We are registered dietitians, fitness enthusiasts, and outdoor lovers. With over 10 years of nutrition studies, we want to bring to you the different conversations about nutrition to help you become the best you. Welcome back to the podcast today, guys. We have another fun guest for you that Brittany has invited on, and that is Haley Wilson, who is a registered dietitian. So welcome, Haley. Thanks for having me. Super excited. Yeah, we're happy that you're here. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself just so we can get to know you. Sure. Yeah. So I am an intuitive eating dietitian and certified strength and conditioning specialist. And I'm currently working in um, a space where I get to educate on nutrition, do workout classes, and has been quite the year being able to grow in my intuitive eating journey. Um, My husband and I live in Little Rock with our little animal farm of four animals, so you can always see me posting about those, but um, yeah, we're just, I'm super excited, especially last year, being able to grow with that intuitive eating. That's awesome. Yeah, so we definitely wanted to have you on because intuitive eating has been a buzzword for the past couple of years. Um, I personally remember learning about intuitive eating during my internship. I found intuitive the intuitive eating book, um, and, and I'm sure you'll get to talk more a little bit later, but it was eye-opening for me being in the field of dietetics and then actually starting to go through because there's there's just so much great information that doesn't get talked about. And I, I think you're doing such a good job talking about it and making it really clear. So I would love to ask you what actually triggered you and got you excited. Why did you become a dietitian in the first place? Such a like long journey to get there. I feel like when I originally graduated, I graduated with a dual major of kinesiology and nutrition and branched into the personal training world. And I came to realize that everyone that came to see me also needed the nutrition piece, but I didn't feel like I had the ability to provide that to them because my nutrition bachelors didn't give me the authority to kind of do that. Yeah, I could give them my thoughts, but I felt like personally, I didn't have the ability to provide them the knowledge that I wanted to provide. And so I decided to go back to school to be a dietitian to kind of be able to combine two of those things together. So I ended up setting the personal training piece aside, went back to school full time, had to complete two years, my two semesters, and then my internship. And it's I love that you had the intuitive eating book or discovered it in internship because I didn't discover it until probably like a year and a half ago. And whenever I graduated, I was still kind of um, educating on macros and especially working at the hospital on diets. And so when I discovered that, I felt like I finally found something that made sense and kind of answered all of the questions that I had been looking for. So that's my kind of like long journey to get there. But I finally feel like I've 
found that one thing where I'm like, yes, this is it. And this is what I feel like a lot of people are connecting to. Yeah, right. that's awesome. Right. So how I, I'm the same as you, like I didn't hear about it ever in school or in my internship. It was like afterwards. And I felt like, like Brittany said, it was a buzzword. It was all over social media. And that's whenever like Instagram and all of these things started getting a little bit bigger. Um, but what, how did you like find out about it or what drew you to that versus what you were maybe doing before? Yeah, I think whenever I was started working at the company that I work at now, I was, like I said, I felt like I, each person that came in, I felt like I was doing maybe macros with one person then, and then, you know, maybe giving someone a diet that I thought they needed to be on. And I felt like I was educating people on things that I didn't even do myself. And so I was struggling with the fact of feeling like I was connecting to them. And I, I felt like I didn't diet myself. And so in my head, I was like, why am I educating on in a way that like, I don't even do myself. And I need, it was time for me to do continuing education and I came across the book because I really wanted to read a book as continuing ed. And so I ended up getting that. And that was my introduction to it. Just happened to stumble upon it. I hadn't really seen it in social media for some reason. I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> but that was my intro. And as soon as I got done reading that book, it was like that moment where you sit there and you're like, oh, my gosh, this, this makes so much sense. And so since that point has been, I read the book, took the test kind of just to do the continuing ed. And then now I have started doing my certified intuitive eating counselor. So there's three parts to that. I've done the first one. I start the second one in January where you actually get to do sessions with the authors of the book. So I'm really, really excited to be able to do that with a group of people and actually like meet them and feel like I am like hearing it from the people who have actually developed the the principles for intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that's going to be so exciting, Haley. And I yeah, can't I'm wait to hear more about it because I'm sure you're going to share. Um, so awesome knowledge bombs. I guess we need to also do that continuing education because, you know, more, more tools in the toolbox, but I'm yes, curious. I would love for you to explain what is intuitive eating? Sure. So intuitive eating is a self care eating framework. It's not a diet and it's based upon 10 defined principles there's been well over 200 studies that they've done on it. And so it's evidence-based, but with diet culture screaming, you know, macros and numbers and counting and calories and all of those things, this is actually a way to reconnect with your body. And it helps us make decisions that make us feel mentally, physically, and emotionally pleasant all at the same time time yeah that's awesome that's awesome question um yeah okay I I don't know I haven't I don't know the book that we're talking about I haven't read it but is it written by dietitians yes okay, cool. so um 
Evelyn and Elise are their first names. It's two dietitians, um, but the last names off the top of my head, I would have to look up their last names. But yeah, so they actually um, talk about in the book how whenever they they both had private practices and they they both felt like they you know clients were coming in they were weighing them they were giving them their diets or their meal plans and they were seeing success at the beginning and then all of a sudden they would always come back to them because they had put that weight back on and so they started to see the same thing of like this we don't feel right because we feel like we're mm-hmm. like almost taking advantage of people because they have to keep coming back because we're not giving them what they need mm-hmm. and so they ended up like just diving in and doing all this research and developing the principles and the book and everything like that that's cool I had no idea yeah well good yeah so tell us a little bit about what are the principles of intuitive eating and how how does that work like so that that's my framework that I Mm -hmm. use to educate clients on and there's two big umbrellas to the principles the first umbrella is, um, and I guess I should start with half of the principles are under, you know, one umbrella and the other half are under that second one. And that first umbrella talks about helping us reconnect with the body by what's called interoceptive awareness. So our body has the ability to basically self-regulate tell us everything that we need to know to make decisions by sending us signals. And so it helps us reconnect with that and being able to understand, right, when is my body telling me I'm hungry? When is it telling me that I'm full? What does it, what is it telling me that I need to eat or want to eat? So that's that first umbrella. The second umbrella is helping us remove the barriers that keep us from being able to listen to our body. And so, for example, um, those are thoughts, beliefs, rules that we may carry around diet culture. So one of those might be that someone is carrying a rule with them that they it's it's bad for them to eat before lunch. Yet, you know, 9 a.m. is always rolling around and they're hungry, but they ignore that signal because of a rule and the body loses trust in them to be able to listen to those signals. So sometimes along the way, those signals kind of get, you know, lost or stop being sent because the body gets frustrated if we're not listening to it and it doesn't like not feeling well. Mm -hmm. So those are our two umbrellas with intuitive eating principles. And I'll kind of just read them off here. Um, Rejecting diet mentality is number one. Mm -hmm. Two is honoring your hunger. Three is making peace with food. Four is challenging the food police. Five is discovering satisfaction. Six is respecting fullness. Seven is coping with your emotions with kindness. Um, Eight is respecting the body. Nine is finding joy in movement. And then 10 is honoring health with gentle nutrition. And if you want me to, I can kind of go through a little snippet of each of those if you wish. Okay. So rejecting diet mentality is an interesting one because um, in my opinion, you kind of have to grasp onto this one first before the rest of them make sense in the sense of being able to 
dive into the rest of them. So someone has to know what diet mentality is. So kind of what physical things and mental things does happens to the body if I'm restricting nutrition, if I am very inconsistent, yo-yo dieting, sometimes I'm having enough, sometimes I'm not, what happens physically with the body and mentally during that process. Um, another part of that is kind of, you know, what are dieting tools? What are rules that you may carry? And self-compassion, right? What is someone's self-compassion with their self? If they're constantly at war with their body, then it's very difficult to find that peace and be able to kind of let that go. So we talk about that first and kind of dig into what, what things does each person carrying with them? Cause it's always different. And so that kind of gives me an idea of, you know, how someone's going to take the process. And so after that, I work, I move into honoring hunger and I try and figure out if someone's hunger meter is broken. If we have been dieting for a very long time, the body has likely lost trust in being in you feeding it if you tell it that it's hungry. So what I work with people on is if they're only getting hungry one time a day, it's very hard to honor your hunger because you're not getting it. So I work with people on developing a routine, helping them eat five to six times a day every couple hours so that the body develops trust in them to say, oh, hey, they are going to feed me multiple times a day. I guess I can use that food and then tell you that you're hungry again. Mm -hmm. But they also have to understand that hunger isn't the end all be all to us having nutrition. Sometimes, sometimes I work with people on knowing that sometimes we have to plan around when you're able to eat with work. And, you know, what are moments where your hunger may be silenced? So being sick, being stressed. So if you know you're in one of those situations and you're not hungry, that still means that you need nutrition, but you have to know that you're there. Mm -hmm. So that's the honoring hunger one. That one's pretty cool to see people click and especially if they come in and they're like, I'm never hungry. And then all of a sudden it's like, Haley, I'm hungry all the time. That's really cool to have them get to that point. Sometimes they're fearful of it because they're like, oh my gosh, um, I'm hungry all the time. No bueno. And they kind of start to backpedal a little bit. So we have to like, you know, this is what we want, but we have to honor it whenever you are hungry instead of avoid it. Mm -hmm. And then we move into making peace with food. And I think it's also important to note that these principles don't have to be done in order. So sometimes we jump around, but making peace with food is my favorite one to talk about because this one dives into how do I have unconditional permission to have all foods and unconditional permission to have all foods doesn't mean that I'm always having all foods and knows that I'm allowed to. So rather than restricting those foods and then binging on them when you do have them, when I know they're not going anywhere, it allows me to be able to kind of remove the moral value from that food and decide, you know, do I want it? Do I not? I know it's not going anywhere. So maybe a situation that I do, maybe there's a situation that I don't. And so there's some other things kind of within that, but that's the basis of that principle. It's also really cool to see someone, you know, decide that it is okay to have a cookie and they're satisfied with it and they're able to move on without having that like turmoil go on. So that one's my, my favorite one to dive into. 
Challenging the food police talks about the voices that we have going on in our head. So we have destructive dieting voices and I help people develop powerful ally voices. So to be able to help them talk, you know, nicely to themselves and be able to bring in more curiosity than judgment. So we work on building those voices up to kind of quiet the other ones down. And then we move on to discovering satisfaction. That one we dive into, um, diet culture likes to remove the joy and the pleasure from food. And so we work on, you know, being able to give them back the power to, you know, what do you want to eat? What sounds good to you? If you don't know the answer to that, we spend some time figuring that out because you may have always just been told what you should eat rather than you being able to discover what it is that you like. Mm -hmm. So after that, we move into respecting fullness. How do you sit down for a meal? And what does comfortable fullness feel like for you? What does overfullness feel like for you? And we dive into those things. What foods help you stay full longer? So that's actually the first time that we touch on nutritional contents of foods and what they do for you because we heal the relationship first. So that way they can approach nutritional content of foods in a way that they may not have before instead of looking at it as good or bad. Then we dive into coping with emotions with kindness. So food can very easily be used as an avenue to cope with emotions. And so we never remove that, but we help, I help them develop other strategies. What are other ways that you can cope? And can you think through kind of, you know, pull from those buckets of your other options and things that are gonna help you feel physically pleasant rather than something that you might immediately turn to that's an, a temporary comfort, but might cause you physical unpleasantness after that situation. And getting close to the end here, we go into respecting the body. And so we don't have a principle that's called love your body. We have a principle that's called respect your body. And so thinking about how are you grateful for your body? What has it done for you? How can you respect it? Maybe by wearing clothes that are comfortable to you wearing shoes that are comfortable to you you know going through that phase of trying to develop that respect and once we kind of get there we, we go into how do you find joy with movement so instead of using movement as a way to you know punish yourself for what you've eaten or to lose weight we use that as an avenue of what's joy to you in movement how does it make you feel and trying to switch the why that you're moving your body. Once we get through all of those things and someone has that newfound relationship, then we dive into gentle nutrition. So then we dive into nutritional contents of foods. You know, how, how, does, how do those foods make you feel? You know, navigating proteins, carbs, fats, fibers, all of those things. So they really have an understanding and coming at it from a different view rather than restricting, understanding all of those things in depth in a different light. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. awesome. I love all of those. And my main thought with all of these is like, we are all here dietitians and we know that these processes like, I mean, that's a lot of behavioral change of like, you know, say yeah. you're working with like an, an older woman who's been through this for like 50 years you know like right. that's a lot to change and I feel like 
um, I was just talking with some clients and, and it's like, okay, yeah, it, it takes time, you know, to change. And I'm wondering like, what does that look like? Um, with your clients that you see and maybe like any misconceptions that come in with these principles? Sure. Yeah. Timeline looks different for everyone. With the work that I do now, I meet with those individuals about once a month. And I think that's been about perfect because it gives them time to, t- we talk about one of those principles Um sometimes multiple not all the way through but they might come in with you know a question or a thought and so we might kind of diverse it's different for every person and it depends on where their starting point is but i meet with them about once a month and normally we dive into one principle at a time sometimes we can hit multiple in one meeting but not fully we may just kind of jump around depending on Um, what their need is that day. But I think that month in between gives them a good time frame to go out and kind of really focus and build on what the principles that we had talked about before, but to just add something new in to give them time to experiment with it because there's no rules with intuitive eating. There's no timeline. And so I'm always looking for when they come in to kind of you know, what is one thing that you noted that you kind of had an aha moment on since we last met? And so it's, it's, those are the little things that we're looking for whenever they come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, to answer your second question, kind of the misconceptions around intuitive eating. And I think it's that this one's the biggest fear around, um, if I get someone that comes in that has specifically requested to go on a diet is that this means that I'm going to eat cookies for breakfast and cake for lunch and, you know, chocolate pudding for (laughs) dinner or something like that. Right. Like I'm only going to have those foods and that taking off the rules and restrictions means that I'm letting go of my health when in reality, we're helping you take it back Mm -hmm. and have a physical, mental, and emotional pleasantness. That's the biggest misconception that I get. And once people realize that the opposite has started to happen, it's like, whoa. Because, and I think it's being able to wrap it around the fact that we're making decisions that help you feel mentally, emotionally, and physically pleasant in your body right so if we make a decision to have you know cake but we binge on it that wouldn't be a decision that would help you feel physically pleasant in your body and so we talk about that Mm -hmm. yeah and there's some there's definitely some other misconceptions I think the the other big one can be that we don't take nutrition education into account that, you know, it's just educating on behaviors and that's why we have that last principle of the honoring your health with gentle nutrition. And it's placed at the end for a reason is to help heal the relationship with food. And sometimes that, um, takes people a while to 
settle into especially if they're like coming in there and they're like I want you to like tell me what to eat and like when to eat it and how much and then I don't Mm -hmm. I actually had someone this week and um was this was their first session with me and we talked about rejecting diet mentality and when he left he was like you didn't tell me anything about (laughs) nutritional contents of foods and I was like yeah I know (laughs) and I'm not going to (laughs) for a while because if I did, that's all that they would hear in that session. And then they would like run with it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It would just directly turn into another diet. But yeah, sometimes I get the blank stare of like, uh, <laughs> but you didn't give me that one th- little thing that like I kind of wanted. I wanted that magic answer. I wanted, you know, you to give me that meal plan. Mm-hmm. Now what? Yeah, I have to think about mental health things and behaviors but once they settle in then they kind of realize oh this makes sense now of why I kind of have to heal those things first right yeah it's interesting because it like you were saying Kate we did not learn these behaviors overnight we get influenced left and right you know we're all females here we've had our females in our lives girlfriends growing up that influence us from the time we were old enough to understand what calories were, right? Mm. And I remember as young as third grade that we were saying, talking about dieting, like why was that okay, right? And now being in this field, it's really interesting to see how we're having to not only our own relationships with food being reversed, but now working with others that are wanting to heal their relationship with food and you know they might be 50 60 like I spoke with a woman that's retired today and she was talking about how she still binges at night and she really wants to fix that and and really figure that out so that she can continue to live a long and healthy life um so that's one thing that we we do try to talk about is that sustainability of your choices and that we do live in a microwave society. People want that quick fix, just like your client. He wanted that answer, but Mm -hmm. he's got to sit with that. He's got to think about it. So I really love what you're doing because it's going to not only influence him, but if he has a family and maybe he has daughters or if he has sons and, and what that looks like with their families moving forward and the influence. So, yeah, I think, um, one cool thing that I've had, happen with individuals that I see who are parents is them coming to me and talking about how they're approaching mealtime with their kids compared to maybe what they would have grown up with. And I think, right, that relationship with food definitely starts with the parent. And because they're in charge of, right, like teaching their kids and, you know, deciding what's going to be available and I thought one thing was so cool is that the last individual I talked to he said we have started providing dessert with the meal right and so it's more it's normalized and it's not this thing that you can't have it until you finish your meal or you can only have it this one day of the week and you know or we're not going to keep those things in the house because they're quote unquote bad for you and saying those things to the child and now all of a sudden because we're having whatever that dessert is provided 
with the meal, the child now gets to decide what they want and that's included. Sometimes they may choose it and sometimes they may not, but it gives them the choice instead of unintentionally telling telling them that they can't be trusted around that food. And that's what happens as they grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that higher value reward or whatever. Right, right. Associated with, and then the association might not always be positive. Right, yeah. And I think the, the parent always has well-intentioned and saying, I don't want my child to grow up with the unhealthy relationship that I do. So I'm not going to let my child have those things. But what's actually happening is the opposite. They're actually creating that situation that they don't want to have happen, but they're just haven't had the education to know that the opposite needs to happen because they're still struggling with their relationship with food so kind of bringing that awareness to them and healing their relationship kind of opens the eyes and like okay I could maybe approach this from a different light and let them know that they can be trusted and that they can make you know that choice if they like that food item or if they don't yeah yeah put the ball in their court and allow them to think through it as well yeah Mm -hmm. awesome well a few we have a few more questions um to ask you just more so out of curiosity um I've I've read the book but I don't practice intuitive eating to any standard by any means I do talk about it every once in a while if it is pertinent with clients but what do you find people struggle the most with I guess maybe grasping the intuitive eating style like maybe the the honoring their hunger or understanding that they can actually be satisfied yeah I think the one that I see being I'll kind of maybe pick one from from both umbrellas um the one that I see under the um, interoceptive awareness or reconnecting with the body umbrella is definitely the making peace with food principle. Mm -hmm. And I think that one's just that unconditional permission to have all food and the fear a lot of times is based around being able to open that door to allow them from restriction to the unconditional permission because sometimes the journey to get there is the difficult part right if i've never known normalness of those foods it can be a really big fearful thing of well as soon as i open that all i've ever known when i allow myself to have them is that i binge on them or i overeat them in a way of not feeling well so if that's all i know that's all i assume is going to happen because i've never gone through that process of normalness so that's definitely the one that can be the most difficult to overcome fears around and so I have a process that or an activity that I do with them that helps them introduce those foods in a non-overwhelming way we may go through picking those forbidden foods what are those foods for you and then we may say we're just going to pick whenever you're ready we're going to pick one and we're going to maybe sit down and have that food 
you know, without distraction, tell yourself that you have unconditional permission and kind of goes through some, some questions about, you know, what feels bad about it. How does it taste? So rather than consuming it in a way where it's probably very urgent and telling myself I shouldn't have it, this is a non-overwhelming way for them to start to open that door. And then they kind of can progress as they're ready. And some people aren't ready to do it when we talk about it, right? The fear is so big that, you know, I don't think I'm ready yet. And that's okay because we don't ever want to force them into that. On the other side of removing the barriers, the, the, the lingering one that people kind of, that pulls them back a lot of time is the societal shame that we have around body image. So especially if someone's trying to intuitively eat and, you know, maybe my clothes aren't fitting quite the same, or I tried on a dress and it didn't look good on me, or, you know, I had a food item, but I felt, you know, all this un unemo emotional unpleasantness. A lot of times someone will start to make progress and then certain things will happen maybe around like a special event that they felt like they needed to look a certain way for, or a certain clothing item that they had in their closet that maybe they hadn't worn since last year because the season wasn't for it. And so I have to do a lot of re um, or grounding back to that in the sense of self-compassion. And, you know, when those jeans did fit you last time, where were we at emotionally and mentally with our relationship with food? You know, your body may have adjusted because you're listening to it. Also, you know, you deserve to buy clothes that fit you. You deserve to wear a dress that you feel comfortable in, you know. And so it's, I think a lot of that diet culture pulls you back in. And so being able to help them pull back to that progress that they were in around their body image is something that I spend a lot of time doing because especially this time of year because diet culture is so loud I said like all the way from Halloween to the end of January mm. it's so loud and so they have to spend more mental energy rejecting it and sometimes it can be a little overwhelming if they're trying to pull themselves to the other side and it keeps pulling them back in yeah it's it's very true I been seeing so many clients and I feel like I always they always come in and they're like I did good or I did bad and I'm like I'm not here <laughs> like I, they'll start like they didn't even walk in the door and they're like I have to confess and I'm like we you don't have to confess anything yeah like it's not it's not wrong like I expect you to eat the dessert at Thanksgiving and have like all of the sides you know like that kind of thing and so I one question that I have in your field with intuitive eating is how do you deal with like that all or nothing mindset where you can have or where they think like, oh, I can't have this completely. And like, especially around the holiday season, I mean, this will come out after the holidays, but tips, like you said, even big events, you know, like, oh, I want to look good for this wedding or this or that. Like, how, how does that work? So that's in the making peace with food principle that has been really helpful for people. And I feel like the one 
um, sentence that I have said to people that has seemed to stick the most is, and they can, they can either say it as a question or a statement. Is this my last opportunity to have this food item? So when they're thinking about the fact of, you know, whether or not they want that food item, let's say that they go into a situation and they've already eaten dinner and they're full and someone offers them a food item. That's an opportunity for them to ask themselves that a question. Well, yeah, I want that food item, but is it my last opportunity to have it? You know, and that helps them make the decision between remaining physically pleasant or being physically unpleasant. And when they know they have unconditional permission to have any food anytime they want, it makes it seem less worth it to make yourself physically unpleasant in a situation when you could have that food item when your hunger rolls back around or tomorrow if you wanted it. And so knowing it's not your last opportunity helps people a lot in a specific situation. And when it comes to that all or nothing mindset, I talk to people about why is it important to have unconditional permission to have all foods. And, you know, we talk about the scenario of when someone has rules around foods and said rule is perceived as broken, then it turns into an all or nothing mindset with a deadline. So the, the most common one, right, the I already screwed up, I'll be better Monday. And I've given myself a deadline, which means that I'm not going to be, I don't have, it is my last opportunity to, to how I see it. It is my last opportunity. And so I better have it all right now. And so kind of helping them understand of like what that deadline does to them, you know, knowing that that causes that all or nothing is something that we talk about too. And I think one thing that's that I also love about that principle is we talk about the moral connection to food. So we reframe that good or bad situation because that's connected to a moral value. It means you've been a good person or a bad person. And you should only feel that way if you break your moral code, if you cheat, lie, steal, <laughs> You have not done any of those things, but you feel the same guilt as if you did. And so we talk about creating emotional equality between all food. So whether you have a green jelly bean or a piece of broccoli, if those things are emotionally neutral to you, you can make physical decisions instead. Do you like that food? Would it feel good in your body in that current moment? You know, mm -hmm. like those are physical decisions rather than having that like good or bad emotional turmoil going on mm -hmm. I really like how you said is this your last opportunity I think that mindset is really helpful um I was even talking with some friends um probably a month or so ago and we were at a bachelorette party and they had come from being PhD students that were broke and now they have money and they're like I feel like I am just eating all the time, eating all the time. And I, I kind of actually said that to them. I said, you know, you can afford to eat now, but that doesn't mean you, you have to. Right. In 
do this, but you can, you know, like if you're craving ice cream one night, that doesn't mean you have to always have it in your freezer, but you can go out to Sonic and go grab an ice cream. Or like, I'm a big crumble cookie person. (laughs) So whenever I want crumble cookie, (laughs) he always (laughs) fusses at me for eating all my crumble cookie, but I'm going to go get my crumble cookie because then it's just going to be lingering. Right. But if I honor that and allow myself to have it I'm gonna feel so much better yep yeah and I think that's why it's so important to encompass that mental and emotional health because I feel like to me diet culture only has one view of health and it's the way that you look and eating these specific things but none of those things take into account where your emotional health is when you're doing it where your mental health is when you're doing it And so sometimes to me, the quote unquote healthiest thing that I could do is have the ice cream that I wanted because that's going to mean that I made a decision for all three of those things combined, right? What's happening to my mental health if I start to restrict all of these things? It's not worth me, you know, looking a certain way if I have poor emotional health the whole time that I'm doing it. So I think diet culture's view of health doesn't encompass all of the things that it should around what health should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an off-topic question. I don't know if you'll know the answer, but we'll go for it. Um, okay, so I work in functional medicine world a little bit, and we have done podcasts on like hormones and stress and all of this. And so what we know through research is that our bodies sometimes, like you guys are talking about, like eating ice cream, like, oh, I want ice cream, I'm going to eat it. Like some people cannot control their cravings. And I wonder how that works in your field. Like, do you also get to like run lab tests and like no like what if they just like can't come around to like the principles but it actually like it's not because of their willingness it's just because like something is off sure so i haven't personally worked with anyone who has had hormonal issues um around nutrition All of the individuals that I have worked with um, around cravings or what I would call with some people come to me and have a fear that they have an addiction to food Mm -hmm. is typically revolving around them not allowing themselves, still having that mindset of not being able to allow themselves that unconditional permission. Um, And so I don't believe in addiction to food I believe in um right that a what I would call a um personally caught like a a individually caused situation Mm -hmm. that's what's viewed as addiction um so I guess long story short like no I have not worked with someone who has had hormonal issues in regards to um certain things around food Now, I have had certain individuals who have certain diseases or intolerances to food. And so sometimes I get the question or the misconception is that individuals who have those situations can't be an intuitive eater. And 
that I work with people going back to the making peace with food principle is that we're working on um, saying yes or no to a food based off of physical reasons. So someone who has, let's say, celiac, right, and can't have gluten items, they're not saying no to a specific food item for emotional reasons. They're saying no to that food item for a physical reason. And so, yes, they have unconditional permission to have that food item, but does that mean that they have it? No, because when they think about feeling physically pleasant in their body, that's something that doesn't bring physical pleasantness to them due to a specific disease or intolerance that they have. So individuals who have health issues can definitely still be intuitive eaters. It's reframing their thought process around why those certain food items can't be consumed mm -hmm. or shouldn't be consumed. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see um, key, if there has been anybody that is working in the space with intuitive eating um, and hormone mm -hmm. health and imbalances, because there's definitely reasons to make changes for those said people, but there's also reason to make intuitive changes as well. So we're going to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. Please let me know. Um, I'm trying to think like, um, I, I do now know that I have one person who has, um, had part of their thyroid removed, but I, I don't know if like their hormones are currently like actually out of like normal levels. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting to know, well, and the other thing that I kind of think about too and wonder about is, right, when someone has a poor relationship with food and has been, you know, binging an item and restricting it, how has that affected their hormones, right? right? Because of that relationship with food. So I'd be interested to see like, you know, is that some of the cause mm -hmm. to the to the hormonal imbalances? I don't know. And well, the reason I'm like thinking about that is like, you know, what stress does to hormones and having that poor relationship with food causes so much stress around someone, you know, you know, especially if food is the 24 seven thought, you know, that stress around their body and, and movement and food is an all day mm -hmm. thing. So yeah, interesting to think about it that way yeah. too. Like it's definitely yeah. like a what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like which is everything in I feel like nutrition. <laughs> you just sure. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but that that is cool. So awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, any final thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with, Haley? There's, there's one thing that I love to talk about, especially if someone's interested in thinking about, you know, like they have been through so many diets and they're, they've hit diet bottom and they're really interested in being able to go on this journey is to know that there's something called spiral of healing. And when you start your intuitive eating journey, you view progress a lot differently. We're no longer viewing it as the number on the scale or the way that you look. And so we have to kind of learn what progress is with this new journey. And so that spiral of healing is essentially, um, it kind of looks like a flipped upside, upside down tornado. 
And the spirals start very big at the bottom. And as you get higher, the spirals get smaller. And so what that's insinuating is that you might start to come around the front of your intuitive eating journey and you're making progress and diet culture may pull you back around to the other side and knowing that that's okay because diet culture is loud and you're not you know gonna be able to snap a finger and be able to forget all of it it might pull you back around but what's important is that it's going up and so you didn't lose all of the things that you just made progress on or that you learned about you're going to circle up as you come back and then you're going to keep coming up to the top and it gets smaller because each time that it pulls you back, each time diet culture pulls you back, it's going to pull you back less until you get all the way to the top. So I really love the meaning behind that spiral of healing and I think it's important for people to know that just because diet culture starts to pull them back doesn't mean that they've lost, doesn't mean that they've failed doesn't mean that they aren't going to continue progressing forward. It's important to be able to bring curiosity into why diet culture pulled them back in and not judge themselves for it and being able to use that self-compassion to pull them back around to the other side. That's really cool. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Especially for any progress, right? Yeah. And that's not even immeasurable like you were saying for the scale for certain numbers I think that's something easily forgotten that it doesn't just have to be number based it could be completely subjective on how is your energy on a scale of one to ten how are you sleeping right that's Mm -hmm. that's really important how how is your stress level is it ten or is it starting to come down so that's a that's a great analogy. Yeah, very yeah, like you said, very applicable to almost like all areas of life for sure that just, you know, you're always going to come back around to the other side. It doesn't mean that you failed cuz you went around. You didn't go down a staircase. You went around but you went up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to get some upside down tornadoes and put them in our office to remind us. <laughs> yes. I'll send you I'll send you guys the um the screenshot that I have of yeah. it so you have a visual in your head of what it looks like. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well guys that are listening, people that are listening, please share this with someone that you think that would help. This was awesome, Haley, for you coming on. So where can they find you? That's yeah, so Instagram right now. It's uh, at Haley B. Wilson. I have recently started to do a lot more things on social media. So I hope you guys can come follow me and leave me all the comments, send me all the questions because it helps me learn and helps me continue to share all the things to help everyone. Go give her a follow and we will continue to be coming out with new podcasts Um, every other Monday of the month. If you guys have questions for us, any topics, any guests that you guys want to come on, shoot us a message. Um, You know where to find us. You know where to follow us. We will leave it and Haley's information in the show notes. And Key, anything you want to add? I don't have anything to add, but I do have to say I didn't know what to expect for this and I loved it. And so I can't wait to talk to you after. (laughs) 
And so I'm sure everyone else will love it just as much as I did. So thank you for coming and come back anytime. (laughs) All right, guys, we'll see you next time on the Perennial Wellness Podcast.